This was a vision. I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Look, the world is full of these kind of things. Black masses, mutilations, mutilations. The incubus, the succubus. I'm telling you, we got to go down to the religious supply store. We got to get ourselves a couple of gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. Do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal. Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, how is everyone doing? Today we are joined by William Ramsey from William Ramsey Investigates to discuss the circumstances surrounding the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. This is one of those famous conspiracies like the Roswell crash 9-11. Everyone knows about it, but details get fuzzy over time. Today, William and I discuss some research we've been looking into to revive the truth of the matter. There is also a bonus Patreon-only episode available where I go into much further detail. Call it a sequel of sorts to this episode. It's definitely a crusher. So, you know what to do if you'd like to hear the full breakdown of the JFK assassination. Make a reservation to room 237. But without further ado, let's jump right into the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cosmic Beach Podcast. Tonight, I have on William Ramsey from William Ramsey Investigates. And uh, we are going to be discussing a little JFK tonight. William, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for the invite. Great to be back with you. Absolutely. So you've been digging into JFK a little bit on your own show, which inspired me to have you on. And you've been conducting some interviews of your own with some authors who have dedicated a lot of their time into researching this. And if you want to kind of shout those out really quick, um, some books and authors um, from your show, that would be really cool before we kind of get into it. Absolutely. Like I've talked to some very legit researchers into the JFK assassination. It took place November 22nd, 1963. So I was curious. I was not I wouldn't say I was an expert, but I slowly saw different things. And it's such a strange event and an important event that still reverberates through American history, really world history to this day, because so many things change after he was killed. But Mm -hmm. I've talked to people, Joseph McBride, Philip F. Nelson, who did LBJ uh, books about LBJ's involvement. Joseph McBride, it was like a personal story. He talked about the killing of Kennedy and Tippett, who was another person who died over that weekend. I also had an interesting one about the Abraham Zapruder angle. His name is Jacob Hornberger. There's a really good documentary for people if they want to check it out. I recommend it. 
it's called the assassination in Mrs. Payne. So it's uh, this woman who was like watching over Oswald and his wife in Irving, Texas, mm. and her strain. And that's a, just a strange story in itself. We could talk yeah. about that. So that's one thing I've talked to Corey Hughes, who knows a lot about it and about the two Oswalds, because something strange was going on. These people with the name Oswald who weren't actually Lee Harvey Oswald were around there renting cars and doing weird stuff. Then I just talked to Mark Shaw. I literally got off the phone with him 10 minutes ago. Wow. And we were talking about all the stuff that's happening. Like we just kind of talked in the pre-show, like this is all coming back around again with RFK back in the news, who was really kind of uh, undergoing, like his campaign is really on the alternate media. It's very un- unusual. So he seems to be rejecting kind of the old corporate media model. Then I talked to Jefferson Morley. I highly recommend people look into Jefferson Morley. He's actually doing an interview at five o'clock Pacific today at JFK Files. He's talking to another great author whose book kind of ties into that. It's uh, David Talbot, who wrote The Devil's Chessboard about Alan Dulles, who's in the JFK, around the JFK uh, event. Alan Dulles' nickname is or was the shark. Like everything (laughs) that guy touched was a disaster. I mean, he kind of laughed, but. Like whatever he put his hand on, it was like something bad happened. So, uh, but I do recommend David Talbot's book, uh, The Devil's Chessboard. It's actually got tons of awards. It's a really a great book. So Morley's talking to him. So Jefferson Morley's done one about James Jesus Angleton. And the interesting part about Angleton is that Angleton held the file of Oswald in his CIA office alone where nobody else in the CIA could see it. So it was like wow. totally compartmentalized, which is really crazy. Yeah. Then I talked to Walter Herbst, who I recommend these two books, which is it did not start with JFK. And he traces everything that led up to November 22nd, 1963. So the history, the America, the growth of the American empire um, and its overthrow. I, I mean, these operations that were done in Iran and Guatemala and uh, just other places around the world that led up there. I think of also there was the they overthrew the government of Indonesia. Just crazy stuff. So that's one. I've talked to Bruce Torres, Chuck Ocelli, whose dad was in Vietnam War. He's a big time uh, JFK researcher. And I just did a really interesting one with the two guys from PSYOP Cinema, Tom and Brett. And we went into the, this film, Seven Days in May, which I think a lot of JFK researchers do not emphasize enough, if at all, because it almost goes into the same thing that happened at JFK right around the same time. Like it's an eerie event where the synchronicities that went through the culture through so-called entertainment were the Mm -hmm. same things that were happening there. And that's the story of the president, an attempt to overthrow the president in a coup d'etat by the military, which I think was also involved. Pretty much sums it up. Right. So I totally recommend people check out Seven Days in May. Uh, And it's really, it was written by the guy who did the Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah. Rob so it's, Serling? Serling, yeah. So it has like these really incredible things going on. It was directed by the guy who was tied into, who literally drove RFK to the 60s was so bizarre. The same, yes. uh, Frankenheimer drove RFK to the Ambassador Hotel the night he was shot. So he was doing this. So, and actually I think the character, they don't obviously emphasize it, but I think the main character, the president, is kind of a pastiche. He represents John F. Kennedy. So he has Mm -hmm. this kind of liberal, you know, let's be peaceful idea, follow the rules, constitution. 
mentality. And then these other guys are like, you're destroying the country. We have to take radical action. Man. So seven days in May, people can check that out on my podcast. I highly recommend that. Watch the movie, maybe listen to that thing. And then I just had two guys on, JFK Marked for Death. Really good book, Gary Fannin and Tim Brennan. And just they could just go through different parts of the story that maybe not some people are emphasizing. Like the media was involved in the cover-up. There was all kinds of like guys from the legacy media who were clearly lying and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, keeping the story of the one, you know, the single bullet theory and the one shooter theory. So that's really kind of the incredible element of the JFK assassination is that it clearly was some kind of operation where all kinds of elements had to be involved. So the military, the legal system, the media mm-hmm. uh, to uh, ensure even, that. Um, even Robert F. Kennedy himself, to some degree, was part of it. He was around. I mean, he I think like they really got him out of power. Like the killing of his brother, he was actually kind of dethroned. Yeah. From, I think that the Kennedys were really out of their depth. Mm-hmm. I think that, in my opinion, they were very young. I think Kennedy, uh, John F. Kennedy was naive. He was very, uh, died at 43 or 44. So he, I don't think he was seasoned enough to right, make the right decisions and see the kind of people he was around with. Like he was swimming in very deep waters. And, yeah. Uh, Do you feel like hearing it from so many different angles, it kind of run, runs along the same course, or do you feel like it's very different in certain aspects? It's a good question. I think that it gives you, when you see the different angles, because people emphasize different things in their writing, whatever they prefer, whether, whether concentrating on RFK, RFK Dulles, the mob. So you see those angles, but I think you can see the broader uh, tapestry of everything that was yeah. happening. There's so much going on culturally, politically, uh, that it's kind of, you know, fuzzier picture becomes clear. Like maybe when I was younger, I was like, oh, you know, some people are questioning this. Now to me, it's obvious that Oswald was a patsy. Like that's as clear as day to me, 100% that he was set up. And it's just like he said, and that there were huge forces that really wanted Kennedy out for a wide variety of reasons. But I think reading through it all kind of, um, shows that there's a lot going on because these people are writing books and they're not emulating each other right so one guy's right. talking about Dulles, one guy's a angleton one guy's focusing on oswald so uh i like to kind of look at forensic evidence that's kind of my thing and call it maybe something more feminine in me just likes forensic files but it cannot be disputed because it is what it is forensic science is not an opinion so i kind of like to take it from that angle as well and i'm sure you've already heard all the ballistics and everything and the one bullet theory cannot possibly happen like that it just can't that's not a real thing um but i have notes here and i wanted to get your thoughts on them because as everyone knows the official cause of death was multiple gunshots And the official verdict was President Kennedy was assassinated by a lone gunman, Lee Harvey Oswald, who fired three rifle shots from behind the motorcade from a window of the sixth floor of the book depository. What are your thoughts on this? If you don't think it's Lee Harvey Oswald, do you think that even any bullets came from the book depository? That's a good question. Uh, 
I don't think that he fired any shots. I think that he was set up and brought in to be a patsy for one reason or another. He was under the aegis of the federal government all the way back when he was in Japan. He worked on this. Uh, he was at Atsugi Air Force and people were watching him. There are notes and he was in like there were CIA agents around him all the time. There were different guys leading up to Angleton, who really was a big wig. But uh, uh, so I think that he probably didn't shoot it. He was angled into that job by this woman, Payne. Like, and then the, the rifle, like crucial evidence shows up at her house. If you see, remember the famous picture of him holding that rifle, which people think is a fraud and forgery, which I do too. It showed up at her house in Irving, Texas, which you can still go to. It's actually preserved as a Ooh. historical monument. But uh, yeah, so the forensic thing, the three bullets, I think there were probably two or three shooting teams, uh, if not more, worth a you know, guys who knew how to shoot uh, mm -hmm. rifles and the shot come, came from the front. So I think that, like, if you see the JFK movie where it says front and to the back, that's really what happened. That was probably a kill shot. But if you see the first shot comes from behind and goes through and you can see Kennedy grabbing for his neck, that's the first right. shot. So it comes from behind, which indicates more than one shooter. So that kind of, I mean, you can watch that on the Zapruder film. I think it's pretty clear that it's not coming from back. And if, if if it was Oswald, who they say was a lousy shot, too. He was a Marine. But, like, there's a these strange turns that the motorcade makes through Dealey Plaza. So it takes a right-hand turn. I forgot the street, but it's headed right for the school book depository. So if he was really at the sixth floor, he had kind of a turkey shoot. He was just mm -hmm. looking at it come right at him. He could have just popped a couple rounds if he really wanted him dead. Instead, he, like, waits for it to pass. And does Almost the most to the shot. underpass. Yeah, so it's a Probably really hard shot going away. He's shooting through a tree. Mm -hmm. uh, there's supposedly like some tree branches there, which they cut down. So that that story, uh, I don't believe that forensic story. And the magic bullet theory was by Senator oh, Specter, Arlen Specter, right? So it goes through and zips through and goes through the arm of three different cover. people. And it's just so preposterous. And um, I think that the bullet that they found, if you remember, it was on the stretcher. It was untainted. So bullets, when they hit bone, they shatter, come right. apart. There's evidence there. You want to talk about forensic evidence. That's what the, how they can determine like how people died. Like it went through the rib or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I actually think they probably triangulated on him, maybe back and from both sides in the front. I agree. I've heard of the Daltech building. So the school depository was there, but then there was a Daltec building, which was kind of at the corner yeah. where he turned. There was supposedly a kill team there. Mm -hmm. And then it was at the grassy knoll, which is probably the big shot. And then there was probably some other guys over the actual, he was going through the tunnel, right? So he was headed out uh -huh. to the freeway. There were probably mm -hmm. guys there. And there were all kinds of like witnesses who came forward. But the, the uh, commission, the warrant commission, it excised all that information like it was totally controlled so which always... is very interesting because um i want to bring up something else and get your thoughts on that after he got to the hospital every hospitalist and nurse testified and i let's see testified with vi vivid recollection and certainty that 
he had a gaping large exit wound at the right rear of the head. So I have in my notes here that it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven doctors, one nurse, an FBI agent, a radiographer, um, and then two people who attended the autopsy all testified with vivid memory and certainty that he had a gaping wound to the right rear of his head. But somehow, those photos have been changed over time. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So there was evidentiary control. So somebody who knew forensics was creating evidence around the whole event after mm -hmm. uh, the 22nd. So there was all kinds of stories about how secret service, service agents were in control of the body. The body was maybe switched. I have to kind of remember that, but switched in transit or tampered with. And there was a kind of an infamous story of one of Kennedy's real enemies, uh, who was a general, was sitting in there making sure that these guys did the right thing. So there was definitely intimidation of a lot of these kind of uh, civilian type people. A lot of people died after uh, November 22nd. Mm -hmm. There was definitely kind of a, can't remember the name of the book, but there was like 60 or 70 deaths of anybody who saw something that went against the story of Oswald being the single shooter. Uh, mysterious deaths, police officers. There's a really good documentary uh, called The Men Who Killed Kennedy, totally suppressed in the U.S. You can't even find it. You can find it online, but it was done. Have you ever heard of that? I haven't heard of it. Yeah, no, it's really good. <clears throat> it was done by a guy in Europe, I think in Ireland, and he did it and he had all kinds of great interviews and then he mysteriously disappeared, went back to Europe and he never oh, made another wow. movie again. Yeah, but The Men Who Killed Kennedy goes into detail a lot of this uh, crazy stuff. But uh, I think that Kennedy, like I said, I think it was a shooting gallery. When I, The story is also his motorcade or his car immediately after the shooting, LBJ made sure that the whole thing was cleaned up and totally either destroyed or something like they didn't want to keep that as evidence because there were multiple bullets and things that like that. That is true. So, he had it destroyed immediately yeah. following the assassination. You and would he was think the, what, that that would be like the least of your concerns. Right, right. He was covering up everything from the very beginning and making sure the right people were on the Warren Commission, intimidating people, getting the right people on there. So he was really involved in the cover-up all the way to the very last point, point where he was a lot uh, in power. Like we, I think they mm -hmm. kicked him out in 68, but he made sure that one is his sidekick, Valenti, who some people think was involved in the shooting, went to Hollywood and became kind of the head of the MPAA. So they're controlling content and, and uh, making sure nobody says anything contradictory or any other movies get out. So mm -hmm. it was it's just an incredible time. It's unbelievable what, like what Johnson was up to. Yeah, he actually is one of the most secret but yet notorious mass murderers of all time. He really is. He's a true psychopath. He yeah, and messy murders, like yeah. murdered by suicide, uh, someone being shot maybe six times, but then ruling deaths a suicide, stuff like that. That's Lyndon B. and his little accomplice. What was his name? Mac Wallace? Mac Wallace, yeah, who's his hit Yeah. Name. Who, and there was a rumor that he was got free. Yeah, right. <laughs> just just right. walked right out of the courtroom. By the way, the Texas back then, like Johnson was part of a different form of the Texas 
the frontier Texas. He was in the outside of a small town outside of Austin, if I remember. So that front Texas was very rough. Part of the South, a lot of slaves, actually, like a third of Texas mm-hmm. was slaves. Massive wars against Native Americans, the Apaches, like really hardcore, the Rangers. And Johnson was part of that. That's what he came out of was this kind of frontier mentality. So I think it was just part of his, he's huge. He's 6'4". And uh, you can see him towering over people. He used to use his like physicality over his underlings and get over three. They used to call it the Johnson method. He would get close and then lean down on them and poke poke them in his, you know, their fingers. Like he would do that to all these people. But, uh, and like, we, it gets more and more graphic. So Johnson was a killer, corrupt, um, probably involved in MLK as well. He was friends with. I believe so. Uh, Hoover. So Hoover mm-hmm. lived down the street from him. A lot of people don't know that fact. Um, but that's Philip Nelson's book, which was Who Really Killed Martin Luther King Jr., The Case Against Lyndon Baines Johnson and J. Edgar Hoover. But what's uh, interesting, since you brought up Hoover, um, something that happened just a few short months before President Kennedy was Marilyn Monroe, which Hoover had a little something to do with as well. And so uh, did the Kennedys. Nobody ever makes the connection between Monroe and Kennedy. And then it's, it's to me, definitely linked. I think it is, too. There's another good book called Bombshell. Uh, Douglas wrote it. came out last year. It's an international bestseller, which basically lays... I need to pick it up. The death of Marilyn Monroe with RFK. RF, JFK and RFK. There's kind of like this view of the Kennedys, like the Camelot view which I think is true. They're kind of young, vibrant guys, but their family, there's like some uh, treatment of women was very uh, cursory. Like Mm -hmm. there's something that dad was like a total womanizer and uh, kind of a scoundrel too, involved in the mob and had a lot of mob connections. And they, they're winning that election in 1960. I think it's a known fact that Boats came in from Chicago and from West Virginia that turned everything to their benefit. So it's not like they were her, uh, the golden boys who won uh, out of the, you know, the, out of a real vote. So there was you know, right. a vote fraud. And Johnson, too, was a total vote fraudster. Like he was so corrupt, he would like stuff ballot boxes all the time. So <laughs> right. there is a dark side to Camelot. And Marilyn Monroe was it. And people have tied GFK to a quick trip to L.A. And I think that there was a story that there was an ultimatum made and uh, to her and she rejected it. And that led to her death. And I do have um, some info that I had dug up that actually RFK was in town the morning of as well. So it was just weird. People saw him at her house and then it was maybe six or seven hours later, she's pronounced dead upon arrival. So a lot of stuff going on there, but. And he was, that was a secret thing. That's the whole thing is that yes, he wasn't was supposed to be there. So mm-hmm. that's also kind of telling. And she died off of San Vicente, kind of in a nice part of uh, LA, the uh, Brentwood. Yeah, I, okay. Your thoughts. I kind of think that she was working with intelligence to probe for information kind of like the the monarch sex kitten-esque type of program i wouldn't be surprised at all she had a very interesting background too her mom was like not mentally well and Mm -hmm. 
So she had that. She had that kind of like, I mean, now they call it the Marilyn Monroe archetype, but right. she was an interesting person. She was much brighter and more clever than people give her credit for from her. Kind of mm-hmm. Like she had to portray herself a certain yeah, way, but I think yeah. she was actually pretty intelligent. Yeah, I think she was. She was always like reading books and stuff. She was mm-hmm. much more interesting. She knew how to kind of play it up. To, that was the era, you know, the way yes. we're not the way they are now, but uh yeah, it's a tragedy that she died, and she got mixed up with a lot. She was mixed up with a lot she of tough people. She was mixed up with mobsters. Yeah, uh, I think the last like month she was together, she was with uh, Sinatra, who was totally mobbed up. That's mm-hmm. obvious. Sam G and Kana, all these weirdos. It was the, yeah, it was the Lawford. I think was his name, which was kind of this go-between. Between, he was a known actor at the time, but he Peter was the kind of go- Peter Lawford. Good. Yeah, between the Kennedys and the mob, and so she mm-hmm. and actually his home, his Santa Monica beach house was tapped. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's I'm right. telling you, I'm telling you, yeah. William, it all makes sense. And I think she I was actually... tapped too, right? Wasn't she tapped? Yeah, I think yes, they all she tapped, was, but they they mysteriously disappeared along with her autopsy report. Right. <laughs> and I think that the 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 police here was much different than what the police in LA where I'm at were much different back then than they are now. So they had an intelligence team mm-hmm. and they were politicized, but they're much more conservative back then. I don't think they are anymore, but uh, sensibilities are a lot different than that. So uh, who's the author the of that bombshell? The first police officer, I don't know if he was a police chief or not, but the first police officer who responded to the 911 call for Marilyn Monroe has tried with every last breath to convince people that it was not a suicide and he has been silenced over and over oh his name was sergeant jack clemens it just popped into my mind yep and he i interviewed jack clemens i'll check that out i interviewed mike rothmiller and douglas thompson uh douglas thompson on a different book it was a perfumo affair but the book bombshell the night bobby kennedy killed marilyn monroe and oh Rothmiller was Rothmiller was part of that intelligence unit within the LAPD. Wow. But I didn't have that part of my JFK like list. I'm putting into it now because it really is part of it. It really is. It plays a huge thing to do with it. And her showing up to his birthday party and singing happy birthday. It was right. very it wasn't very tasteful. And people started getting annoyed with their relationship and how public it was becoming as well. So I think they were trying to clean up some of his sloppy, you know, mistakes he was making. He was making a lot of mistakes. Kennedy was a rake and a womanizer, just like his dad. And he was involved with really crazy people like things that you wouldn't believe like he was in i mean it's not funny he was involved with judith exner who was also dating i think giancana and then he was also involved with mary oh what was her name it was a ci agent's ex-wife who then turns up dead in the i know who you're talking about Uh, yep i know who you're talking about i can't think of a lot of names to remember but yeah so he was mixed up with them and doing and apparently that's the connection between her and Kennedy and Leary is Leary was good to Dennis Leary. Oh, sorry. Le- Timothy Leary was good friends with her, giving her acid, rumored to giving it to Kennedy while he was a president. You ever hear that one? 
So it's scandalous. Super scandalous. Yeah. And her, this woman, I think there was a there was a book about her that by her son. Um, like a biography. Of yeah, her. A biography about her. And when she died, this CIA agent again, James Jesus Angleton, shows up at her house and takes away her diary. So he's controlling <laughs> Oswald and this other woman's diary, which is probably scandalous, which talked about JFK. You so know what's guys... funny? They took away Marilyn Monroe's diary as well. Uh, I believe it. Yeah. So yes. that's the that's the information cover-up, right? Yes, she kept it in a locked cabinet and it was forcibly broken into and it was stolen and never recovered. So it goes right along. And that's in, in, yeah, invaluable, right? Like that's, that's like. Absolutely. Priceless. The thing is, is the assassination is like the pinnacle moment for all of these other side tirades yes, that are yes. going on. Yeah, and, and this woman, this woman, just like another story, but she died in the canals, a suspicious death in the canals by a black guy who got framed for, for it, like some kind of mentally ill black guy. But it probably yeah. most definitely was not him. Yeah, it's, oh God, I wish I could remember her name. Pincho, Mary Pincho Meyer. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Mary. And her husband was Cord Meyer, who was like a huge big weed big wig in the cia like he ran operation mockingbird <gasps> october 12 1964 mary pincho meyer washington dc socialite and painter was shot and killed in broad daylight on the cno canal towpath in georgetown a 25 year old so... african-american man named rafe crump was arrested for her murder but no compelling evidence ever surfaced to support his conviction and he was acquitted at trial she died literally like a year and a month no, so less than a year, right? You said October of 64? Yeah, so a little less than a year, yeah. little less than a year after JFK. Yeah, so it's just another one of those lists of those people who all died around the death of JFK. I have to tell you, I found this Dallas police radio transmission from November 22nd, 1963 at 1230 p.m., um, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it because it says Chief Curry stated, get a man on top of that triple underpass and see what happened up there. There was no thought in anyone's mind that something came from the book depository. It was all from the front. And then Chief Curry later acknowledged that we don't have any proof that Oswald fired the rifle and never did. Nobody's yet been able to put him in the building with a gun in his hand. So when you're on a radio transmission, why would you be thinking, let's start the cover-up? You wouldn't. You'd be acting just out of instinct so they're talking about the triple underpass which again i think that there were several nests of shooters grassy knoll underpass maybe some maybe one or possibly two from behind but the kill shot came from the front i agree yeah i think that if you go back and look at some of those the 
video, you can see everybody moving towards the grassy knoll, like a whole crowd, like 30 or 40 people, like in a herd, are moving there because that's where they heard it. So they're trying to figure it out and it's all covered up. So do you uh, think that the Zapruder film has been altered in any way? Yeah, I think they tampered with it. They were in control of it. So Zapruder was then bought by Time Magazine, which was run by the Luce family. That's a whole other story of very interesting people. But the, one of them is Skull and Bones, Yale Skull and Bones. Oh, forget it. Yeah. It's yeah. so. It's probably not even. I did hear someone say that they think the Zapruder film in its entirety is actually just a- actors. What do you think about that? Ooh, I don't know about that. I don't think so because it really I mean, there are parts of the Zapruder film that you can see Kennedy react and his wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still know those shots. It just wasn't made public. People right. weren't allowed to see it until like ten years later or something like that. Like it was covered up, and now it's kind of people are able to look at it. But uh, I think it was legit. It was just tampered with and, and kept out of the public eye. Do you think the version that we see that you can look up on YouTube has been altered at all? Especially yeah, yeah. now that there's such easy access to video editing. I think so. I think they were tampering with it from the beginning. Like they probably owned it and then let's put out this little piece. We'll take out some damning things mm-hmm. or if anybody was in the background, he was an asset. Mm-hmm. So like there was supposedly a guy on the site to, you know, with an umbrella. He's called Umbrella Man. Like, why are you holding an umbrella? It's a beautiful day. Like, why? Right. Do, what are you doing? Like, it doesn't make sense unless he's trying to signal people to, you know, where this is the go. This is the go sign. Look for the yeah. umbrella. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good analysis. I wouldn't have thought of that. That's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of really strange stuff. I mean, there you can do a whole show on the weird thing. I mean, there's speculation. Nobody knows, but like Tippett was supposedly. I've talked to one guy. Tippett, who was killed, the cop, he was the one who was supposed to go be the guy to run into the school book depository and kill Oswald. So that was his role as a cop, Mm -hmm. to be the hero. So they had him, and he was a kind of a corrupt cop. He was known to hang out with Ruby at some of these carousel clubs and stuff like that. So they think that, yeah, so this is speculation. So when he didn't do that, when he bungled it, that's why somebody went and killed him, is that he didn't fulfill his role to be the hero cop. Because he screwed up. Yeah. Wow. He, or he got cold feet or something like that. He knew it. And so people that you you blew it. So that's why Tippett was greased. Like he couldn't be trusted. No. Right. Right. Like he couldn't fulfill his He didn't his follow through. Right. Dang. Uh, yeah. Ruby did. Jack Rubenstein definitely did. He was, he was probably uh, trying to find that moment to kill um, Oswald and really clean everything up. You know, I have found a little information that actually... Jack Ruby somehow knew Oswald already and they had been hanging out in Louisiana beforehand. Is that right? I've heard that too. I mean, Ruby was part of the mob. He had an association with the Chicago mob and was traveling around. He was a gun runner and he might have been involved in running guns for the whole Cuba operation. So he would go to uh, New Orleans is really an interesting part of the whole story because that's where oswald was from that's where oswald was before he went to dallas he was literally there a month before the mm-hmm. killing um and then marcello was there so that he had a beef with rfk and that's where the handler for these guys was like there's a famous fair play for cuba episode where oswald's handing out papers and he's being managed by an fbi agent it's kind of the intro of the fbi of the jfk movie and then it's obviously where the really only 
trial that took place with the Garrison trial, who was the DA at the time, trying to get to the bottom of it and knew all these Clay Shaw, who was super interesting, and mm-hmm. David Barry, <laughs> David Barry, who was totally bald, and part of the same thing that Oswald is involved in this U uh, two spy plane. That actually surmised the reason why he had alopecia is because he was doing too high of a flight with the improper pressurization in these planes and his hair fell off. So that's why he looks so funny and strange. He's played by Joe Pesci in JFK. So yeah, so so Ruby being in there, there's some researchers that may, may know that Ruby's atten- uh, knowledge of Oswald, but Oswald, Ferry knew Oswald for sure. Like there's no question. David Ferry mm-hmm. knew Oswald when he was 15. So Oswald has this really incredible life for like a kid who's died, a kid whose dad died young and went in the Marines. He was like, he was in the strangest place. Imagine like a kid with no money defects to the USSR, stays there for two and a half years and comes back. And then nobody does anything, right? Like they don't censure him. He doesn't go to jail. This is the height of the Cold War. Mm. Like it's so strange. Like you should have gone to jail. Like treason or communicating it's with the enemy. It's almost like they, they kind of were helping him all along and maybe for more nefarious reasons such as this. He was expendable to some degree, but they needed someone like him for this job, quote unquote. There's a lot of really good stories, but I think that he was from a, when he was, he was in some private school in either New Jersey or New York. And I think from that moment, he was, there's somebody in the Intel community had a file on him, believe it or not, from when he was 14 or 15 to when he was dead. Wow. Yeah. He was being, he was, something was going on with him. He was part of a program, I'm assuming. It's top secret. So like we have information you can kind of make, deduce stuff from basic facts, but there's stuff that we'll probably never see. It's already been burned and it was in the CIA, but the CIA, there was a guy was handling him. He was best friends with Johnny Rosselli from the mob. He was a literal like CIA agent. I can't remember his name offhand. He was a drunk. There's a really I mean, I wonder if I can find this uh interview with him, his wife. But anyway, uh he was handling he before James Jesus Angleton, this guy was handling uh, the file on Oswald while he was in Russia. So it's like this wow. guy was yeah people were people knew Oswald. It's unbelievable. You know this is stuff that only kind of came out way later about what Oswald, but there were other kind of weird patsy things too, where there's some Oswald like figure in Chicago was doing weird stuff because they were trying to get Kennedy in Miami, then in Chicago, and then in, ended up in Texas. So there was like a weird patsy. I forgot the guy's name. There was another kind of Oswald like patsy who it seems like they were trying to make as like a revolutionary right because that's oswald Mm. was supposedly a communist sympathizer right and the rest is history because i think with the discovery that there were actually two i guess oswalds we start to think maybe this is a just a code name what do you think it's a, I mean, it, it would be very strange. The pro, it would be incredible, like if that was that big. But there's no, like when this woman Payne, who was in Irving, Texas, she was with Oswald, his Russian wife, which is also strange. Like he left Russia with a wife and kids, mm-hmm. 
but he was with there with his mom. So I think that's proven that that's his biological mom. So whether, I mean, the year would get into the highest of the highest strangeness if everything was just totally fake, like they just somebody like his mom was bred or something like you're into like <laughs> kind of strange things. So you can actually see it on like uh, on the on her book, like uh, Ruth Payne's book. There's a picture of her with uh, Marina, Harvey and Ms. his mother. So I don't know. I, I think that they had multiple. There was a guy who went to rent a car who said he was Oswald. who wasn't. So they were clearly trying to. You know, but maybe just throw us off. Yeah, throw people off. Fodder for the read. Yeah. They did the same stuff for 9-11. These guys who were like mm-hmm. down to be a CIA agents, they would show up somewhere. We want to buy three trucks, or I want to rent this uh uh plane two weeks, you know, no questions mm-hmm. asked cash. So they're creating this kind of I see what you mean. Story, yeah. That creating a background story. Makes sense. And that's me. been proven proven recently is that two of the guys were associated, two of the guys supposedly involved in the 9-11 events were. CI agents, and it makes it this so. This is the same kind of uh, yeah. techniques that the intel is using. So I have one more thing that I wanted to kind of run by you that I've been um, researching a little bit, and that's that there was actually nine shots, and I can kind of go over briefly what where each of them landed. The first shot missed hitting the street behind President Kennedy's limousine, creating sparks. So there we have the first shot. They missed entirely. They overshot it and they hit the road. Second shot hit President Kennedy in the throat from the front is what. These are just my notes from from a book I read. But the third shot hits at street level then ricochets, wounding a bystander named James Taug. And he actually yeah. had a uh, something with his cheek. Right, like it bounced off, glanced off mm-hmm. his cheek. I've heard that one, yeah. Then shot number four hits Governor Connolly in the back, traveling through his chest. And then shot number five hits President Kennedy in his back, four inches below the nape of his neck and right into his spine. Shot number six shatters Governor Connolly's right wrist, traveling through and through, and then enters his thigh. Shot number seven strikes the windshield of the limousine, traversing through and through, and there's a bullet hole that was observed. And then shot number eight hits President Kennedy in the back of his head uh, from the rear, and this shot was only milliseconds prior to the final death shot, which was um, from the front entering at his right temple, causing a massive blow back exit from the right rear of his skull. So in total, they find nine bullets. And so I guess their point in this was to completely disprove that Oswald could have been a lone shooter. Coming from the front, coming from the back, coming from the sides. There's no way that he acted alone. What are your thoughts there? I totally agree with that. He didn't act alone. I wouldn't be surprised those were just the nine bullets that they traced. I think it was the shooting gallery. I think they probably... I do too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I think they shot at him 15 times. I don't even know. But it was uh, way more than three. 
I mean, there's bullets yeah. glancing around. There was a bullet hole in the windshield, if I remember. That wasn't mm -hmm. accounted for. Maybe you mentioned that. But there was like all kinds of stuff, and it's just all covered up. So I think uh, it's kind of actually a very interesting technique because I think they've created this fake uh, fable, right? Mm -hmm. But then they've enforced the fable. So you're going to say this, and if you don't, then you're in trouble. So I think that they know the the people behind it are like, we're just going to tell them this. We're going to change the history books. And if anybody disputes it, you're going to, you know, lose your job or, you know, it'll go up in grades of problems. And then at the end, if you don't shut up, you know, it's, it's over. Have you heard it? Like they wanted to call it off that day, but it was too late. Something did that affect I think that they they show there was interesting stories. There was a guy who was an FBI agent in uh, and this is a true story. He was in Texas and he walked into either a post office or a cop's place and shot his gun off and got arrested. And he wanted to get arrested because he didn't want to be involved in the killing. So he knew it was going to happen. I forgot wow. his name. This is a true. Yeah. Go check out JFK files. Actually, you know, in 10 minutes, they're talking to, like I told you, Talbot. But uh, JFK Files has some of these weird stories, but that's one of them. There's another one that starts off in the JFK movie with this uh, Rose Laramie or something. She was a lady of the night, and they threw her out of her car. And she's like, they're going to kill him. They're going to kill She's saying it. So she knew, and she died suspiciously, too. So I think the engine was definitely rolling, and... Uh, it was a go like he people hated JFK. He was at that time in American history, after all the stuff that had happened, Cuba, Bay of Pigs, Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, mm -hmm. People just thought he was like a traitor and uh, not interested, you know, not interested in saving the government and, and a left wing sympathizer too. I think that they saw him not going with the program of like, uh, you know. And he was sloppy. And they just were not having it. They weren't having it, yeah. He wasn't in good health. He would, There was this guy, Dr. Feelgood, who was around giving him shots, cortisol, speed shots. Wow. Like, yeah, that was all covered up. He had Addison's disease, which is kind of like, a, yeah, that's a known fact. So he, and he had back problems. He wore a girdle, wore a girdle like a woman. You can see oh, him wow. standing kind of funny, yeah. God bless him. Well, Yeah, I so mean, he wasn't in great shape. I mean, he was in the war. Just... I don't know if he... Well, and I think the thing is, it's just people kind of actually see him as a celebrity more than a president, that he was good looking and maybe they equate it to James Dean dying in the car crash. It, not as much like a, the president of the United States was assassinated. He was uh, a favorite among maybe younger people, but not so much with the political groups. Agreed. I agree with that 100%. I think they you had think a good PR Jackie tool. Knew. Jackie knew that they got shot, that he got shot? No, do you think Jackie knew he was going to be? Oh, I don't know. I don't because know. Because she, she was kind of fed up with his crap, too. Yeah, she was. <laughs> yeah. I think they knew. she knew that it, there was a, I mean, that's the whole thing about the Kennedys is there was a really good facade, but there's all kinds of creepy stuff going on in the background with those two. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think a lot of people might have known. He might have sensed it. If you read, I think it's uh, JFK and the Unspeakable, JFK had kind of a death wish. He had like these poems that he would read that like early mm. death. 
So maybe he kind of saw himself as kind of a tragic figure, like because he was so sick all the time, he was not a super healthy guy. Uh, so maybe he saw himself as kind of like a scapegoat or an expiation for this war machine that the U.S. was on. And when he died, it, the engine just started right back up. Like wow, when people yeah. talk about uh, Vietnam, like, oh, man, we lost 50. It's a tragedy. 50,000 American men died. But it's also how people's, I think, have a shallow analysis of what happened in Vietnam because it wasn't 50,000 people died. It's just like they do it for what happened in Iraq. People came back, committed suicide, killed their families, killed themselves, uh, did crazy stuff because they were mentally ill. And 2 million people, if not more, in that whole Southeast Asia were murdered by the U.S. war machine. And that's thanks why those all to of... Jim Morrison's dad. Right. Well, thanks to Jim, <laughs> who, who engineered that? Oh, who was the president? LBJ, right? So LBJ. Oh my over... goodness, you're right. Of course. He's over all that stuff. He's over the uh, the boat situation, the Tonkin Gulf Tonk, incident, Tonkin Gulf, but also the other one that nobody ever talks about in the Middle East. He's all over that. Uh, wow, what a tie back into yeah, no, the moral uh, He's involved. Yeah. Look at him. He's involved in uh, MLK. Well, his brother, MLK's brother died suspiciously. Uh, MLK, Gulf of Tonkin. What's that boat that went down? So I, I wish I was I'm not sure exactly. Uh, it was a huge scandal because they the Israelis like bombed a boat as a false flag. Of course. I haven't heard that Israeli. He was, uh, Johnson was very much involved in that. Of course he was. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised I can't remember this. But this is actually a lost piece of American history. Uh, USS Liberty. Look up the USS Liberty. So would you say that LBJ was just biding his time until he could take over? My understanding, I've talked to Nelson, is that LBJ always wanted to be president. For the mm-hmm. coarsest reasons, like he was just a power. And his biographer, Robert Caro, who I can't really recommend because Caro glosses over some of the darker as- the darkest aspects I'm of sure. Johnson, who went totally insane at the end. It was like Macbeth, where all of his crimes came back to him and he went mentally Whoa. ill. They spent a million dollars on shrinks on, on the former president. That's why because he left. he was full of demons. All probably. of demons, all of his all of his sins and probably the ghosts of all the people he killed and the millions of stuff came back to haunt him mm-hmm. uh, karma karma in a big bad way but uh johnson always wanted to be president so i think that's really was it it was hit oh i was going to say is caro likened johnson's quest for power to a salmon's quest to go back up a river to spawn wow. like it was an intent it was like a it was like like a part of his being like it's so weird so and like he said, like when he was on the Air Force 747, he got up on like the throne chair that was in there and kept telling people, I am a king. I am a king. It's so unpresidential. All the stuff he did, like he wow. got there. He would go to the bathroom with people and have like full-on cabinet meetings while he was uh going to the bathroom, sitting down. Oh my god. Have you heard that story? Have you heard the story where he he um exposed himself to all these people and have you heard that story to the to the entire press corps yeah so he was in like this is true story he was in a like a thing and he said this is you know why we're in vietnam 
this is why we're in Vietnam. And he pulled out his John Johnson pulled out his Johnson and showed it to people. And they're like, oh, we gotta get uh, LBJ out of here. Let's get LBJ. You guys, the press club, go back here. That's how crazy he was. Oh not normal. my gosh. So he was no, that's a, a true little story. bit worse than than Biden. Uh <laughs> you know, he had a massive kill rate. Like he was just, just off the charts, and he always was on the bribes and just like scheming. It was just in his whole and like we're super racist. Character. Oh like imagine like you get black people, Joe, you will always be an N. You'll never mm -hmm. change. And then like the whole thing, like the it was the Civil Rights Act or something, like we will drive these ends back, you know, two generations, you know, they'll never have any right. He was like his just like mm -hmm. the just you know, so like on the surface, like oh, he's doing these great pieces of legislation, but with the worst intent so yeah you go back through you get the real picture of johnson it is ugly like sister dying uh sex with his grandma that's oh. in that's in the files of kinsey's files was that there was some kind of weird relationship with his grandmother like so there's a book specifically dedicated to his life and like I his would, links into everything i would read nelson nelson told me that story i think it's in the nelson book LBJ. Okay. It's LBJ called it's just called from LBJ. Masterminds of the Colossus. Yeah. LBJ okay. from the Mastermind of the Colossus. And then he did another one. I think it was called LBJ Master of Deception. So mm -hmm. I mean it's and really crazy. Murderer. Like it's a, it's a yeah, but it's a very important part of American history. This is just this is how crazy power can get. Like it's been that way in the past. If you look at Rome and Nero and some of these other emperors, like um was it uh, little boot what was his name what was the guy's name who was like made his horse a, a senator like sometimes these things do happen like that's why <laughs> well, you're supposed to i have was a thinking boat. of like nebuchadnezzar caligula. caligula and caligula who was um julius caesar augustus germanicus whatever caligula right. so right. i think yeah, he was germanicus's point... son and he was like yeah, I'm gonna do whatever I want. And they finally had enough of him and often, but he was out of his mind. Like, yes, he was just he, doing he would like erase uh statues' faces and replace them with his own face. And um, I do see well, that Johnson has those psychopathic characteristics, though. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was he was making money from this whole operation in Vietnam. Brown and Root was located in Texas, they made all the uh, you know, helicopters and stuff like that. So he was getting a little dipping his beak wasn't like a mobster. He like involved with some kind of swindling, like a cotton field that didn't exist yes. or something like that. Do you know the details on that? Because I just briefly remember looking into it. I vaguely remember he had like all these. He kind of had a mob, really, kind of like a Dixie mm -hmm. mob. He got all these people around him and ran stuff, and they were doing something with the government cotton allotments where they were scamming the government out of something and that's right like cotton that didn't exist actually yeah. i don't know yeah. the details i wish i could remember the details but i think that was 62 and he was worried that that was going to ruin his political career so he was he was probably willing to do whatever he needed oh, to do that's yeah. when he murdered that one guy because he was going to tattletale and mm -hmm. say what he was up to and then mysteriously he got uh 
caught a bullet to the back of the head or something like that. Yeah, like he like shot himself with a rifle and then did something on a over and like over a, and over again. Yeah, like yeah. three or four times. Those kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then there was actually a Clinton connection to uh, that was the first political career that uh uh Bill Clinton worked on in his political career was LBJ's back in sixty. Really? <laughs> so he might have learned a few things from uh the real politics of Johnson. Mm-hmm. Southerner, yeah, Arkansas ain't that far away from Texas. It's, uh, so anyway, that's an interesting. Connection. I mean, there's probably even more. It, it's like multi-layered. There's, you know, stuff that we would see as, oh, well, he was corrupt and he was da 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 da. But there's always like another layer underneath that, especially when you're bringing up the Clintons, because I just did some research on this Vincent guy that turned up dead. Um, he like died on his lunch break or something that was involved with the Clintons. And like, he went to like preschool with Bill Clinton. Oh, it was wow. really weird. Uh, Vincent Foster or something. Oh, like Vince that. Foster. Vince Foster. Yes. So yeah. there's always like another layer that's even more hidden and more. Um, right. I don't no, know. Vince Foster is a really, I mean, I was in DC when that happened. I worked briefly. On how that did, I know how did they break the news on that? He went out and killed himself. Yeah, he went to to a lonely, deserted park and walked to the very back of the park and stood on a berm and shot himself. And then, but before he did, he rolled himself in a rug so that he had all kind of rug fibers all around his body just to like really confuse people. And nobody said he was suicidal. And he did it on his lunch break. Like, oh. Wow. I'm at work as as the White House counsel. Hmm. I guess I'll just... 93, 93 93 i think i'll go commit okay. suicide i think you know uh, joan can you order me a burger <laughs> that's what happened like he literally ordered food or something like that and then got the compulsion to drive out to an old civil war fort and kill himself that's what and like i've said before like remember like i told you about how they created this fable and mm-hmm. enforced it vince foster was the same thing did he commit so oh yeah sure boss yeah, he did. He was totally depressed. And the people who uh, went with that line, yeah. everything was good. So it's like a testing thing. And anybody who like went up against it, yeah, the story's fishy. Their careers got derailed. They weren't part of the internal team. Uh, or they died. They died. There's, I mean, oh, yeah, there's a really good book called <clears throat> Partners in Power by Roger Morris. If you really want to go into the, really, the real clinic. You're going to have to send me a list of these because okay. well, I'll send you I'm my full list. So I interested in this kind of stuff. I'll send you emails. You can talk to these guys. These guys. Are I want to. Yeah, I would no, love to great. do that. Yeah, sure. Anytime. Uh, but I'll send you a list of that. But uh, Morris worked for Kissinger. Kissinger just had his like hundred year party or whatever in New York. Do you ever see that? All that. It looked yeah, like. He's... Yeah, he's like a. You want to talk about kind of a world controller? He's that. Yeah. Well, these people showed up, and I forgot where it was in New York, but the entrance was all gold, and it looked like the entrance way into the ritual room from Eyes Wide Shut. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, of course. <laughs> all it these did. people are going in there. Yeah, all these big wigs and so ritualistic. And the guy who owns all of the Dairy Queens, I always forget that guy's name. Oh, I don't remember. But. Uh, Alex Jones talked about him one time and I'm not saying I co-sign everything Alex Jones was saying but he said he owns all the Dairy Queens and he's super 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 old but he makes like all the financial decisions for someone 
And oh, it's wow. like, how do these hundred year olds and they, they're, you know, right. they don't have Alzheimer's. They don't, they're not broken down on a thousand big pharma meds. They're just fine. Um, and again, it's by design. Right. No, they, yeah, they, they get, uh, can you see that? That's yeah. the entrance into, into Kissinger's under year. It's got the pillars, right? It's got the weird kind of like Boaz and Joshing mm-hmm. pillars, the red, you know, the red blood carpet, just like eyes wide shut. And then it's gold doorways. Oh my God. That's it. Don't you wish you could just see see down the hallway what exactly it is going on in there? I can imagine. This guy, he was a total Rockefeller lackey. That's how Kissinger kept his job. He was part of the Trilateral Commission, right? So he's he's like an intellectual underneath David and Nelson Rockefeller. What does this say? It says he wasn't in the mood for an interview with me from way down the red carpeted stairs. So that's the former CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt, who wrote a book with Kissinger. And that guy's kind of a notorious. uh... Sicko. Yeah, he's uh, got the kind of eyes wide shut mentality. (laughs) That's the word on the street. Wow. Yeah, wow. But so, Uh, William, are you working on anything? Do you have anything new going on? I am. I'm actually rigorously finishing a new book. So I will be (gasps) out fairly soon. I'm going to finish it this month, I think. Can you give me some teasers? No, I'd never tell anybody what I'm writing. So, But it'll be done. It's going to be good. It uh, pertains to kind of stuff I've researched in the past. But I think it's... uh, there's some new stuff. People, I think people will be interested. But I I've have, I'm have. i trying to get rid excited. of I've got like three projects I'm trying to finish real fast. So I seem to be having the, uh, the wherewithal and time to do it. But uh, I want to have you back on to talk about the book when great. it comes Yeah, sure. Out. And I'll send you a list. I'll send you a list of all these books that have, I should just put it up. But I mean, all these books that have done interviews. So people also, if not just you, but if people are listening, want to listen to those interviews, you can just go to Podcast Addict, go to William Ramsey Investigates and type in some of these titles. Maybe I'll put them up on social media or you can Mm -hmm. put them in the show notes and then they can just listen to them. There's really interesting stories. Like some of the stuff is so weird around JFK. I did this one called Walking the Razor's Edge where like two of the people like George DeMornschild, who is Oswald's handler, is in a gay relationship with this other guy from uh, He's from the, he's Danish, Altman's, and then Demornschild gets whacked. Yeah, Demornschild gets whacked, and then Altman's is in, Altman's, it's O-L-T-M-A-N-S, is in JFK the movie. It's it's unbelievable. Like, some of the stuff is truly unbelievable. Like, you cannot, like, some of the stuff about just LBJ alone isn't believable. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think can. that that would be a good rabbit hole for someone who's just kind of starting out putting pieces together. LBJ is not talked about enough. And like I said earlier, the Marilyn Monroe connection with J. Edgar Hoover and the mobsters. Totally. There is a, a timeline there. Here's the other thing is that in all civilizations, not just the U.S., not just anything past World War II, there are court historians. There are these people are powerful enough or have grant access. You see that in the media in the United States. People who are granted access tell the narratives of the powerful people. And that's part of the either overt or 
under the table agreement is I'm giving you access to me and you're going to tell my side of the story. So these different stories like the JFK, there's like you said, uh, Marilyn Monroe, LBJ, there's the non-court kind of standard historians that's the the real truth. So -hmm. people mislabeled that as you're a conspiracy theorist, you're insane, but that's the that's the actual real history that even the criminals they don't want you to know their real history. LBJ right. doesn't want you to know his real history. You he wants to be seen as a master politician and a king and a, a great legislator. And you see that like people go, "Wow, LBJ got all this legislation passed," but they don't see him like intimidating people, threatening people, murdering people. people. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, that's really kind of unsadly that's just the nature of. Of civilizations, like if you even look at the Roman civilization, like the people were probably getting one side of the whole emperor, emperor's great, Julius Caesar's great, you know, mm-hmm. Caligula's great. But, you know, now we know the past has come on and the real histories of those guys, like Nero's just out of his mind. Like, Well, yeah, about- and I think that there, I was just talking to my cousin about this, it's like lying through omission. True. Yeah. And it's just like that, there's a lot of incentives for people not to tell the truth, too. Because at the time, nobody probably could tell this stuff about JFK because they would end up, I mean, end up dead, right? So they couldn't talk Mm -hmm. about LBJ either. So I think that there's a lot of factors involved. It's a lot easier for somebody right now to kind of put the pieces together than it was in the 60s. And there were guys, there was some guy who did, um, I found out there were two couple of guys who got really, one was a black Secret Service agent. His name was Abraham can't remember but like he wasn't going with the program and like he got thrown into the jail and they said he was crazy so they gave him the treatment and he was just it took him like 30 years to like get uh vindicated and there was another guy who came out who was from the europe who said hey this whole jfk assassination is fake and they got one after him too so wow. it's not that much different than what's happening now where the like, information misinformation disinformation and, and control of information, right? You don't want all the stuff. The same thing happened with COVID. Like they really mm-hmm. dropped a hammer on people who were lying. Me too. I mean, I was gone, dude. I mean, I was, they stripped me off of YouTube so fast. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, that's just kind of, that's just the way it is these days. It's, and it's always kind of sadly been that way. I can only put certain episodes on YouTube. If I do a paranormal episode, cool, they're fine with that. If I do a healthy living episode, that's fine. But if I put a heavier episode like this or maybe even one more controversial or or heavier, they will give me a strike. And I'm becoming kind of disillusioned with even having a YouTube channel to begin with. Me too. Like I kind of gave up. I don't want to be nanny they're conditioning like they were conditioning me to like self-censor is really mm-hmm. it so i don't want to be a part of that uh so no me on rockfin rockfin's been good to me so is spotify i've don't i've never had any censorship stuff i don't even swear and everything you can see <laughs> I, is like backed up so i've uh, never heard wrong. you swear uh, I, I, there's one thing where i let an f-bomb drop <laughs> oh my gosh video. really <laughs> Yes, but, in uh, your seven thousand episodes, there's one instance. There's one. I, I'm at nine fifty six. I'm hurtling towards the big millennium uh, episode. Oh. So people look forward to that. I'll tell my entire life story and say thanks. And uh, actually, you know, I'll put out. 
I'll put out a, uh, like a list of people can see all the interviews. Some people don't know the interviews. The way that it comes out on iTunes, you only see five or 10 interviews at a time. I know. So I that even that's, that's why I recommend Podcast Addict because you can scroll down and see everything. Like I'm kind Actually, of Actually, Spotify is getting that way too, where you can see the whole list. You don't have to go show more and then go to 2021 or whatever oh, year wow. it came out. Um, so I, I actually have started kind of putting half episodes out and putting the rest of it on Patreon because I'm just tired of stuff getting removed. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I should and it's not that I don't want to put out the information for free, but it just doesn't make sense if they're going to remove the whole episode and then right. no one's going to get to hear it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like that makes yeah. no sense. Right. No, it's weird. It's a weird state. These are, I think, the really what people need to understand is the tech companies are doing the bidding of the government. Mm -hmm. So the government's engaged in unconstitutional actions, and we need to get back to the Bill of Rights and our basic human rights, and and reemphasize them uh, because once those are gone, we're gone. Like it's going to be a disaster for you or your kids or your family. Mm -hmm. So people really need. That's what people died and fought for. Is, that's the real freedom, not the propaganda freedom. But the freedom that's enshrined yes. in the Bill of Rights. So let's get back to it. And everybody can come together. You don't mm -hmm. have to, you know, Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives can all come together under the banner of the Bill of Rights and make sure that they persist for this generation and generations. So we got to fight for those back because the, the Biden administration stole it, stole it from me. Like mm -hmm. I lost so much information. I don't even know. Like I can't even get into my own account. It's have so crazy. They removed a lot of your episodes too. Yeah, I had an old one. Like I went through kind of iterations. Like I did a cult 9-11 and then I had a cult investigations. And that whole that whole thing is gone. Like I don't they YouTube took it. Like so like yeah. I had, was doing like little lame and it I tell other people like it would just showed my progress as a researcher. So all that kind of history where people could go through and see what I was looking at 2016, 2017, 2018 is gone. Like so it is a book burning. It is a new form of book burning that Google's involved with. So I hope people sue them out of existence because they deserve it. <laughs> Me too. They do they have a deserve lot of money. it. Yeah, get some lawyers out here. Come on, let's go. These guys are engaged in unconstitutional behavior. You should I'll be sued. I'll go back randomly and look because I'll tell someone, I already did that. I already made an episode for that. And it's I'll say it's after the Wizard of Oz one, for example. Just look at the one under that. And they'll go, uh, yeah, I, I'm not seeing it. And then I check it myself and it's gone. William, it's gone and I'll never get it back because I maybe I recorded it on my other laptop and it's fried or whatever the case may be, but it's gone forever. And um, unless I want to re-record it and have it get taken off again, the only thing you can do is Rockfin, Patreon, put it on some type of a, of a website where you're not in fear that it's just going to go poof and disappear. Right. Right. That's uh, not the only trick they use, right? Shadow ban, you know. Yeah, so um, actually, I was going to tell you, some people will follow me on Instagram and they'll go to look for my profile and they'll say, I don't know why, but it made me unfollow you. They didn't even go to my Instagram to unfollow me. They just noticed that they went to look for it and had unfollowed. So it's just, you cannot get 
ahead. <laughs> That's how I feel, at least. You know, I'll be like, I'm doing really, really good, and I'm my audience is growing, and then all of a sudden it'll be very quiet for a while. And I almost think that they don't want to reflect the growth in how many f- new followers I have or how many new listeners I have because of what I talk about. Yes, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Okay. <laughs> Maybe uh, so I'm not it, crazy. No, you're not. Because I look at mine, people will sign up for my Twitter. All of a sudden, I just see my follower count slowly decline. Maybe it's just because of what I said, but it does seem kind of suspicious. <laughs> if I'm, I don't know. But sometimes I could just post a picture of my dog, and it's like I lose eight people, and I'm like, dang, you didn't have to yeah, be like that. It seems that. weird. Like, yeah, you guys are really that angry? Like, so <laughs> why right. are you following me anyway? Because all I've said is really idiosyncratic, you know, skitzed mm-hmm. out, noited stuff. So why are you leaving now? Like what no, on right. one of these things like drove you off the edge? Oh no, I don't want to hear anything about JFK. I'm out of here. I'm I'm gone. Bye down yeah. the river. <laughs> but for the listeners who maybe are hearing uh you for the first time on my show, can you let them know where they can find you, what episodes are uh, available and haven't been taken down? Yeah, really. Not to my knowledge, not on Spotify. I signed a contract with Spotify last year, so they've been good to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can hear my show, William Ramsey Investigates, on a wide variety of subjects. Some of the stuff we talked about today. Anywhere that you can find your podcast. And then my website is William Ramsey Investigates. If you want to kind of see some of my writings or order a book, a signed copy, uh, you can do that there. And then I'm on Rockfin if I stream which I kind of have given up on streaming. I pretty much, you, you, uh, since I got kicked off of YouTube for like the third time, I'm kind of like, anyway, but my podcast is in the top, you know, 15,000 podcasts in the world. So I have a decent amount of listeners and uh, you do. happy about that. And uh, you can I'm find me on I'm trying to be like you when I grow up, William. <laughs> Don't. What's <laughs> your secret? <laughs> Uh, just reading a lot. You know, I think that it really was that I was really naive. Like I had a conventional education and I kind of believed what they told me. So I had to kind of re-educate and reorient myself to all this stuff. And it really is the benefit of the, what we're doing now and, and the new technology and stuff is you can really kind of see what really happened. Uh, And there's no memory holding or less of that where stuff gets disappeared or the news cycle disappears stuff in 24 hours. So I'm mm-hmm. totally a believer in public media and people talking like this and no leadership where it's just uh, distributed leadership where people are all doing their own thing. It's really yeah. an ideal, it's the ideal culture. It's an ideal information sharing and let the market kind of the public commons and the public marketplace determine the value of something. So it may not be for you. You can move on, but at least maybe you can see other people, maybe that, uh, you can find like I found the others. I didn't know there were that many others like me, like kind of uh, parapolitical types. But I found a lot of other, and I think a lot of people are interested. They know the parapolitics is the real politics, um, beyond the culture, beyond the kind of wizard ball Oz curtain. But uh, you know, it's interesting you say that because I feel like podcasts in general are the new library, and. Mm-hmm. I get some weird comments on some episodes I do or or even things I post on Instagram and I kind of equate it to a library that you're not going to like every book you check out or every author 
But there are so many conspiracy theory podcasts at this point. You can pick and choose. Like, I like this episode from her. Then I'll go to William Ramsey and check out this episode. Then I'll go to this podcast and check out this. You don't have to subscribe to, like, one person's view of everything. You can dabble around and, and you know, run it through the garden, Baskin Robbins this thing, and try all the flavors. But at the end of the day, you're just needing to learn something, whether that be from myself or from you or for who, from whoever. And I think that's the beauty of podcasting. I agree with you. It's part of the process, too. What you like, what you don't, you can see it. Like, I I was like a guy who went through all this earlier quote podcasters alex jones mm-hmm. um william uh what's his name uh the guy who did all the uh kind of conspiracy stuff back i then. was listening to like um did visigoth what's what bill, uh, like bill cooper crow triple seven and, and oh, yeah, alex yeah, jones and yeah. then i found you eventually and you were one of my top faves and then tinfoil had and all of these other shows and now it's kind of like anyone can start a podcast it doesn't mean that you're going to be successful at it but it's kind of are you going into it to provide um useful information and if so people will respond to that and I think that's why your show is so successful as well, is because I learn something every time I listen to one of your episodes. Cool. That's kind of was my intent was to try to, you know, uh, give somebody a learn, myself included. Like I learned from all those books that I've read. I haven't read through all of those books, but I've read a significant proportion. Like it's changed my outlook and my sensibilities. And I'm much more grounded. Like I don't fall for propaganda as much after I've read as, uh, as many of these books. Like I was a sucker for 9 11. Like, but I wouldn't believe anything the government says anymore after reading all these books or so. Oh, for dangerous. sure. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I'm glad like I've tried to do something edifying, like not try to just be like uh, sensationalized. I got this great right. bombshell, Bob, and also evergreen, you know, like I really tried to make them evergreen so people could go back two years from now and see something you like. Just like you said, like you I can do pick, as well. I do that from too. The garden, so to speak. Yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. feels good. Maybe you're not interested now, but maybe like I did a show with Ralph Blumenthal about John Mack and then this whole UFO thing popped up again. So people might find looking, seeing like John Mack, who's like a legit uh, academic looking into the UFO. phenomenon. And then you can re-upload the episode when it's popular again, whatever the topic may be. Um, and I seem to remember listening to an episode on someone else's podcast when, where they, uh, and I wanted to just get your thoughts really quick. They compared the hotel manager in the shining to JFK and that, that was somehow a connection back to some more conspiracy type theories, like with Stanley Kubrick. What did you think about that? I heard that too because he has the same head and the same haircut, right? Same haircut. There's this... a little American flag on the desk. The way he kind of folds his hands and, and his mannerisms resemble JFK. Wow, that's really interesting. I'd like to look into it. He was uh, Kubrick was very clever, so he yeah. was doing all kinds of stuff. He was outwitting even his like uh, movie reviewers. They didn't really know what he was doing. But I know for Eyes Wide Shut, he was doing all kinds of stuff like that. He was referring back to his earliest work and look. He referred to other films. Uh, he was leaving kind of like a record. So to do that in The Shining, 
would not be surprising at all. I know he integrated that right. whole two, 237 mm-hmm. NASA rocket stuff in there. Oh, um, yeah. So I just wanted to leave the listeners with a little Easter egg there to go and look into some more info on that. But um, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you so much, William, for joining me. It's great to be with you again, Julia, anytime. I will let you uh, know when my book's on. I'll be happy to send me a mailing address. I will send you a book copy you get to have i am so excited and then i'll I'll, uh email you so we can talk about the book i want to read it first and then i'll have you come on so we can kind of talk about it (laughs) but uh, thank you so much and thanks to all the listeners we'll catch you on the next one